Welcome to Live Daf, your online Daf Yomi Shir. Shalom, welcome back to today's Daf Yomi, which is Yuma Daf Yud. We begin on the top of the Amid, and the Gemara is in the middle of explaining for us why was it that the first Beis Hamidosh had a, had a greater level of Shechina than the second Beis Hamidosh. And their answer is because the Pasuk says, Yafta Lekim Leyefes, V'yishkoin Be'olishem. Noyech had three sons, Shem Chem Ve'yefes, and Yefes was granted the privilege of being involved, assisting and initiating the building of the second Beis Hamidosh. Says the Gemara on the top line, Afal Gav, Yafta Lekim Leyefes, even though Hashem granted Yoifi, beauty, to Yefes, allowing them to initiate the building of the second Beis Hamidosh. Koresh, the king of Paras, he was the one who granted permission for them to build the uh, second base of Midrash. He, he was involved in initiating the building. But still, the true Shechina, the highest level, was only present back in the first base of Midrash. The true level of Shechina, the highest level, was only the tents of shame. Meaning the first place of Midrash which was built by Shlomo HaMelech, a descendant of shame. Continues the Gemara, Parsoi Menolon de Meyafes Kaasu. So the second place of Midrash was initiated by the Persians from Paras. What do we find that they come from Yefes? The Chsiv, the Pasuk, will give us a list of all Yefes' children. Bnei Yefes, Goimer, Moge, Gumoda, Biyoven, Vesuvel, Meshach, Vatiros. The Gemara will go through all the names. Goimer, which nation is that? Zeger Marmia. What is Magai? Zekandia. Madai, that's Zu Macedonia. Macedonia. Yovan is Kemashmoi. Exactly what it is. Yovan is Greece. Tubal is referring to Zebes and Nike, some other nation. Meshech, Zu Musia. Tiras, what is that? Pligiba, Rabbi Simoi, Rabban. There's a machlege between the two. How to interpret Tiras and which nation and which location is it referring to? Va'amilo, some say the machlekes was between Rabbi Simo and Virabona. Chad Amar once said Zu based to Reich, it's referring to that area. Chad Amar Zu Paras. So according to the Shita, Paras, Persia, they're descendants of Yefes. In fact, Tani Rav Yosef, we have a Bryce Rav Yosef to support this. Tirasu Paras. So indeed we see that Paras, Persia, which is Tiras, were descendants of Yefes, and the Persians who initiated the building of the second base of Midrash were children, grandchildren of Yefes. So he was Zoycha to have a chilek in the second base of Midrash, Yafta Lekim Yefes. But the true Hashras Hashchina only was experienced during the first base of Midrash, which was built by Shlom Melach, a descendant of Shem. The Pasuk here will give us a, a list of um, towns built by uh, it's actually the, the children. Bnei Kush, who was a, a son of Ham. So these are, these are his, his children and the towns that seems it was, were named after these children. Savta, Verama, Vesavtecha. So you have two similar sounding names, Savta and Savtecha. And the Gemara says they were actually close to each other. Tani of Yosef. Sekistan Gav It was an interior Sekistan and was surrounded by a different Sekistan, a Sekistan, Baraisa, the outer Sekistan. So these are two towns. Ben Chada Lechada, between one and the other is Meya Parsi, there was a distance of 100 Parsa, Parsa is 4 miles, around 4 miles. 
So there's around 400 miles between them. But Kefa Alpha Parsi, the outer circle, the circumference around the outer Sekistan, was a thousand Parsa. So one of these, Savta, and the other one is Savta, one was the outer one, was the inner one. And these were two uh, towns, two areas established by the children of Kush. The Pasuk here continues and describes Nimrod's uh, kingdom, where he established his Malchus. So his reign began, was established in the following places. The initiation of his Malchus began here. Bavel, Ve'erech, Ve'akad, Ve'kalne, in all these areas. Explains the Gemara, Bavel is Kemashmo, exactly as it is. Bavel, the city of Bavel. Actually, there was a, a an area, an Eretz Bavel, but also a city, perhaps the capital of Bavel, which here is referred to as Bavel. In fact, in the Gemara Brachas, we learned about a Brach one makes when he sees Bavel destroyed, is referring to the city, the, the capital of of the land of Bavel, the nation of Bavel, which is also called Bavel, like we have uh, New York State, New York City. So here, Bavel means Kemashmo, the city of Bavel. Erech, what is that? The Orichus, what is the Eked, the Baskar, Kalno, that's the Neufer, Ninfi, all these areas, all these towns where Nimrod initiated his kingdom. The Pasuk says, by Dor HaFloga, there was a fellow named Asher who fled. He disappeared. He didn't want to get involved in Dor HaFloga. So Asher left the town and apparently he went out and he established places and towns and cities. Tanya of Yosef, Asher is a Silak. Asher is actually referring to a Silak, so Asher is referring to a person, also to the uh, area that he um, founded, which is called Silak. By even as Ninveh, this fellow went out and he built the following cities Ninveh, Vesrochoyves Ir, Ves Kolach. Where are these places? Ninveh, Kimashmoy, exactly as it is. Ninveh, it's uh, today, I believe, in Iraq. Haruchoyves Ir, what is that referring to? Zuparas, the Meshan, a certain area. What is Kolach referring to? Zuparas, the Bursif. And the Pasuk says he built Ve'esresen, which is Bein Ninveh, between the town of Ninveh and Bein Kolach and Kolach. So between those two areas. And the Pasuk includes He Ha'ir Agdoila. That's the large city. Explains the Gemara. Resen, that's referring to the Aktisfoy. And the Pasuk includes He Ha'ir Agdoila. So Resen was between Ninveh and Kolach, which was the big city. What is this referring to? The large city is either Ninveh or Resen. Right? We said Resen is between Ninveh and Kalach. That is the great city. Which one? Ninveh or Resen? Any idea in Ninveh whether Iragdela is a reference to Ninveh? Im Resen or Iragdela is referring to Resen. Kishu Oimer will have arrived from elsewhere. Story with Yoina. He was supposed to go to Ninveh, he escaped to Tarshish. And the Pasuk says, It was a large city before Hashem. It would take three days to walk through it. This proves to us that Ninveh, that exactly, that's actually the Irak referred to in this Pasuk. Continues the Gemara, we're speaking about names of towns and people. Let's proceed to a related topic. We know the Miraglim came to Eretz Yisrael, they came to Kiras Arba, actually Yeshua came to Kiras Arba, and he encountered the giants, Visham, Achiman, Sheshai, Vitalma, Yelidi, Anak, these three fellows were descendants, were children of Anak the giant. 
Let's go through their names. Tana, Achiman. He was called that way because he was Meyuman Shabaachim, the right, the one that was the strongest one amongst the brothers. Just like the right hand, the strongest hand. Achiman is the Meyuman, the right one, the strongest from amongst his brothers. The next one was called Sheishai. Shemeisem as the earth, when he would walk, he would destroy the land on which he trotted. So Sheishai means he destroys. Talmai is because Shemesim is the earth Talamim Talamim. When he walked on the earth, he would turn into furrows, into ditches. He would absolutely destroy the land that he'd walk on. Continues the Gemara. We skip the words of Acher. Achiman Bona Anas, he built the town of Anas. Shesha, the other fellow, Bona Alush. And the third fellow, Talmai Bona Talush. The Pasuk describes them as Yelidi Ha'anak. Why? They were so tall that they would actually appear as though they were protruding through the sun, and the sun formed a necklace around their necks. An anak is like a necklace, a choker. The sun, the chama, would appear like a necklace around their necks due to their great height. Continues the Gemara, Omar Rabbi Shoban Levi, Omar Rabbi. We discussed the Persians, Paras, descendants of Yefes, Says Rabbi Laosid Lavoi, before Mashiach, Rome, which was a world power, and actually they took us into Golas, they destroyed the Besamilash, and we are still under their hold, under their grip. Although the, uh, the Ramban has a whole discussion regarding Yishmoel, Evan Ezra described Yishmoel as being the world power at the end of days, but the Ramban disagrees. He says there are only four Goliaths Mitzrayim, Bavel, Madai, and Edoim. Rome, which represents Edom, our final final Gullus is exclusively in the hands of Edom. Now, although he says the Ishmaelim at that time really were a world power, we had the Turkish Empire dominating the world, but he says the fact is our Gullus was initiated by Edom, by Rome, who destroyed the Wissamilish, and therefore anything that happens throughout this final period before Mashiach is related to Rome, to Edom, and it's called Gullis Adam. In any case, the Gemara here has a chiddush that Rome will fall in the, in the hands of Paras, Paras, Persia, uh, perhaps the Muslims, which are represented by Iran, Persia, which is the uh, the power, the most powerful amongst the Muslim nations. So Rome will actually fall fall into the, into the hands of Paras. Paras, Persia, will dominate the world at the end of days. Now, interesting to note that the Gemara of the Zor, of Bezom and Bez, says that these two powers, Paras and Edom, will, will actually be in power at the end of days until Mashiach. The Gemara says, Mahanach, these two, Paras and Edom, Mashchib Malchusayu, they're kingdom, their power will stretch and extend ad until Mashiach. As we see today, we have the two uh, competing powers in the world. We have the, uh, the Muslim countries, uh, the, represented by uh, Paras, by Persia, which is the strongest amongst them. And we have, on the other hand, we have Western culture, which is basically representing Rome and Edom. Rome today is meaningless, but the power of Edom, power of Esau, which destroyed the base of Middash and took us into Gullus is still in power and represented perhaps by America which is the sole superpower today Western culture that is Gullus Edom that is Malchus Roymi because all of the actual nations were mixed up and destroyed but 
the power still exists. You know, the sarm up in Shemaim is still there. Every nation has a sar. And we're still under the malchus, under the gullus of, of Rome, of Edom, represented by whoever is in power today in the uh, the western side of things, whether it's Russia, America. In any case, that's the power of Rome and is um, opposed by the power of Paras. On the other side of the globe, the Arabs and the Muslims, represented by Persia and Iran today, which... Uh, is leading this constant tug of war between, uh, you know, back and forth between America and, and, and the Muslims, whether it's uh, the nuclear issue around today, etc. So it's that tug of war, that battle between Paras and Edom, and that will last until Moshiach. Now, interesting, Tosis there asks, what about the Gemara in Yuma, which tells us that uh, whether uh, Rome will fall into the hands of Paras, or we're going to see soon Paras in the hands of Rome, depending on the various shittas in the Gemara, apparently they both won't be present at the end of days, he says, yeah, it means up until close to Mashiach, but at the end, end of days, right before Mashiach, some change will occur. Either one will fall into the hands of the other, depending on the Shittas here. Rebbe maintains that it's going to be Rome falling into the hands of Paras, which will be the stronger power and dominate the world at the end of days. So we'll see how it unfolds. Either Rome falling in the hands of Paras, according to Rebbe. Interesting that the... Um, in the Tanakh we find in uh, Sefer Yeshaya, I believe it's in Parakhav Tess or Lamed, the way the Farshim explained the, the Pesukim there, it's a frightening illusion, it's alluding to the, the war, the battle, the huge war that's going to take place between Rome, Malchus Edom, Western civilization, and Paras, Persia, uh, perhaps the Muslim nations in the Middle East. So that's described in Tanakh, and in fact, at the end of the day, says Rebbe, it's going to be Rome, Falling beyond Paras. How do we know this? Shenemar. Lochin Shimu Atzas Hashem Ashayat Al Edoy Machshavoisav Ashachol Shaval Yeshet Teimon. This is the pasuk in Yirmiyah, describing Hashem's um, foretelling what's going to happen on Edoim. Im lo Yischavum Tziri Atzayim. Im lo Yosam Aleim Noim. Describing the Tziri Atzayim, the youngsters amongst the the Tzayim, the light animals which aren't so prominent, they're going to dominate and control Edoim. And according to Rebbe, it's going to be Paras controlling Edom. Maska for the Rabbah Barul. How do you know it's referring to Persia? My mashma the high Syria tzoyin Paras. How do you know it's referring to Persia? Dechsev ha'ayla shavur isa ba'akarnaim malchim modei Paras. Because the pasuk describing the chaloim of Daniel, depicting the four Goliaths, has a picture of an ayla ram with his horns and. Is referring to Malchi Madaya Para. So we see that uh, Persia is a, uh, is, is a some type of light animal in Iran. So Syria is referring to Paras. How do you know? Vema Yavan. Maybe it's referring to Greece, the power of Greece, of Yavan, which will take over Rome. We find that the king of Yavan is also described as some sort of sire or goat. So maybe that. Is what the previous passage were alluding to. It's going to be Yavan controlling Rome. So that was a kasha on Rebbe's sheet. Says the Marquis Solik Rav Chaviva Bar Surmaki. When Chaviva went up to Eretz Yisrael, Amra Kamei Domer Rabbanon. He presented this kasha on Rebbe in front of the this Talmud Chacham there, this Rabbanon. Amra lay this Rabbanon responded. He said, "That's not a question." Man Adelayada Pirushi Kroy. A fellow who doesn't understand how to interpret Psukim, Moisef Tirta the Rebbe is going to ask a Kasha on Rebbe? How do we know Syria Syria is referring to Paris? I'll tell you very simple. 
My Tziriyatzoin, Zutru Dachui. Tziriyatzoin, the youngest one amongst the Tzoin, the youngest amongst the brothers. We had a list of the children of Yefes earlier in the Gemara. And who's the last on the list? Who's the youngest? Tiras. The Tonir of Yosef, Tiras and Paras. Tiras is Paras. So Persia is the youngest. Tziriyatzoin, the youngest amongst the Tzoin, he will dominate. He will control and overtake Rome. He as well held that Rome will fall into the hands of Paras. And he's going to apply a svar, a kavachim. Kavachim. Since we find that the first base of Midrash, which was built by who? The descendants of Shem, Shlomemelch. Who destroyed the base of Midrash? The Kazdim. What happened? What was their fitting end? Noflu Kazdim Biat Parsim. The Kazdim who destroyed the Besamidosh. They fell in battle to the Parsim. They were overtaken by the Persians as a fitting retribution to them destroying the Besamidosh. So you see that Parsim, they're in charge of, of meeting out punishment to the destroyers of the Besamidosh. Therefore, says the Gemara, Certainly, Migdash the base second base of which was built by whom? Shebnu Parsim, they were the ones who built it. They initiated the building, the Persians. And who destroyed the second base of The Romans. And then, certainly, we should say, of course, Shiyiplu, Raimim, Biat Parsim, the Romans who destroyed, should fall into the hands of the Persians who built the base of The Parsim. Punished the Kazdim for destroying the first base of Middash, which they themselves didn't build. Certainly, they'll be granted permission to destroy, annihilate the Romans, or at least control the Romans, who destroyed the base of Middash Hasheni, which they, the Persians, themselves built. So, certainly, it's a fitting, it's a fitting punishment, a fitting retribution, and it's given, put into their hands. So, according to this opinion, it's going to be Paras, Persia, which is going to become a world power at the end of days. Now we have an opposing sheet. Amarav, Asida Paras, Shatibil Biadrami. It's actually going to be Persia, which is going to become subjugated to Rome. Rome will overtake the world. The Western powers will dominate the world. Amarav, of Kahana, Rav Asi Rav. So Rav Kahana, Rav Asi challenged Rav. How can you suggest that Rome will take over the world? Will overtake Persia, the builders of the Besamidosh, the Persians, will be given into the hands of the destroyers, the Romans. How is that? How does that make sense? Omar Lui responded to them in, yes, certainly, Xeras Melchi. It's Hashem's decree that the Persians, although they built the Besamidosh, they should be overtaken by the Romans who destroyed the Besamidosh. And perhaps the Peshad is, Hashem is indicating to us and to everybody. Everything is run by Hashem. It's not that the Persians built and the Romans destroyed. They were merely serving as instruments in the hands of Hashem. Tools to build and destroy the Besamidosh. And this takes away their their, their chashivas. The fact that the, the Persians are given into the hands of the Romans shows that the Romans themselves didn't, didn't destroy anything. It was just Hashem sending them to destroy the Yisamidosh. So was the Kasha. 
How can the builders be given into the hands of the destroyers? These aren't builders. These aren't destroyers. They're just instruments in the hands of Hashem. And this shows, this demonstrates to all that Hashem destroyed the Beis These powers, these world powers, these so-called superpowers, they have no inherent power. It's all in the hands of Hashem. Igadamri, Omerlu, there's another version of Rav's response to them. How come I say that Paras, who fought in the hands of Rome, has that work? Paras built a base of Midrash, Rome destroyed. Inunami, the Persians as well are guilty of destruction. They destroy shuls. We know throughout Golas, the shul is a, a Migdash Ma'at. It's sort of a mini base of Midrash. So they're also guilty. The Persians are also guilty of destroying uh, somewhat something which is connected to the base of Midrash. And therefore they also have to suffer as a result. They're punished, they're destroyed by the Romans. And of course eventually the Romans will be uh, overtaken by Mashiach. And that will be there. They're, they're only for destroying the base of Midrash. Tanya Mehach, we have a bright in support of this Shita. Asi the Paras. Shatipo Biadroimi, Paras will fall into the hands of Rome. Chada, one reason would be the Sashi Beknishta, because the Persians destroy shoals. Void, another reason, Xeris Melech, who it's a decree of Hashem. Shiiplu Boinen Biadsation, the builders, the Persians, should be dominated by the destroyers, the Romans. The Omar Avidomarav, in fact, we have another Memra, have you the name of Rav? Ein Bedavid Ba. Moshiach will not come until and Shetivshoit Malchus Roimi Harisha Bachalail Kulun. Malchus Roimi, the the Rishaim, the uh, you know the Lashon Risha, is is always uh, connected, related to a kingdom who who was involved in destroying, like uh, Malchus Yavan Harisha, Malchus Roimi Harisha, destroying the Beis Hamidrash. Until this Malchus will overtake the world completely will extend its its reign throughout the entire world. Tisha Chadashim for nine months. That's going to be the last phase before Mashiach. They have to completely take over the world. We're, we're in Golis Roimi. They have to complete their their uh, complete their reign, complete their Malchus, so that Rashi and Sanhedrin actually explains because uh, we have to get all of Kali Yisrael underneath, under the, the, the Malchus Yisrael all over the world. So until Malchus Roimbe's Nifshat is in Spashat B'chalim Kuloi, the, um, the last phase of Golis was not really fulfilled and reached. How do we know it's for nine months? Shnemar Lachem, Lachem Yitneim, Ad Eis Yeleida Yolada, V'yeser Echav Yeshuvan Al Yisrael. So we see that the concept of Leida, which is a nine-month experience, will have to apply then. Rome will overtake the world for nine months, become a superpower, dominate the world for nine months. And that nine-month period is a transition period which will enable the world uh, for the Geula, for Mashiach, which will follow this development. Okay, so to summarize, we had the first base of Midrash, which was built by Shlem Melech, a descendant of Shem, which uh, was Zoycha to have a higher level of Shechina. The Shem Hashem is Yishkoin Be'olei Shem, and the oil um, that was built by the descendant of Shem, which was Shlem HaMelech. The second base of Midrash was initiated by the Persians, which were descendants of Yefes. They got some schus, Yaftel Kimli Yefes, they have beauty, they have chitzonius, they built a base of Midrash, but in the Primius it was still lacking, it didn't have the same madrig of Ashur HaShchina. The more concluded, although Paras and Edaim are both 
Malchuyos, which will run close to the finish line until Mashiach, but at the end, at the very end of of the days, there'll be a power struggle, a tug of war between the Persians and the Romans, the Western powers, the, uh, the Malchus Edom. Which one will prevail? At Machlekes, according to Rebbe, it's going to be Paras, and then Mashiach will come. According to Rav, it's going to be Rome spreading out throughout the world, taking over the world at least for uh, for this nine month period which is going to be the last development before Mashiach. Let's go back to the Mishnah, which tells us that King Gadol went through a stage called Prisha seven days before Yom Kippur, throughout which he dwelled in a Lishko called Lishkas Palhedron, or Parhedron. All the rooms in the base of Migdash, even ones used by guards and, and shaymrim, did not have a mezuzah. It wasn't really considered a place of dwelling, except for one. Because in Lishkas Parhedrin, that was considered a place of dwelling. The Kain Gadol dwelled there. It was a Makam Dira, a proper place of dwelling, proper place of residence, in which case it required a mezuzah. Or Rabbi Yehuda, that's not the case. A mezuzah? That's not Chayav a mezuzah in Atorah. There were many rooms in the Beis HaMidosh, Shoyelah and which were considered places of residence. For instance, for the Shemrim, for Lo Yoyelah and Mezuzah, still didn't have a Mezuzah. Apparently, it's not considered a proper Beis Dira. It doesn't need a Mezuzah. What then? El Lishkas Parhedrin Rabbi the Holds Torah, even Lishkas Parhedrin was potter from Mezuzah. It was the Xerah of the Rabbana, going to see soon the Gemara. Chacham didn't want it to appear as though it's a prison. <laughs> so the jail, it's a jail locking the Kain Gadol for Yom Kippur. So they applied a mezuzah to that room to make it appear like a uh, ordinary place of residence. But there's no chi of mezuzah throughout the Lishkois in the base of My time with Rabbi Yudah, what's Rabbi Yudah's reason? Why not? Kain Gadol would live there for seven days. The Shemrim would dwell in those um, watchtowers, at least throughout the nights. So why was the no mezuzah Amar Rabba Kusav Rabbi Yudah called Bayis Sheni Osur Any house which is not for all year round use for Yimaisacham and Yimaisakshamim for summer and winter in a bias, it doesn't constitute a proper bias. It's not considered a proper place of dwelling. Lishkas Paredrin was a seven day use. It wasn't for all year round. The watchtowers were for nightly use. It wasn't for all. For all day, all year use. How can you say that only a partial, you know, only a, a part-time residence is not considered? Is not considered a bias. The pasuk is describing the misfortunes which will before the rishayim. I'll strike their winter homes, their summer homes. We see even a winter or summer home is considered a bias. So even even partial residence is considered. Omalei Rabbi responded, Yeah, it's called a, a winter home. Or a summer home. So together with that description, yeah. But bias stomach? When we use the word bias, like by mezuzah, Stam, the word bias, is describing a place of residence which is intended for all day, all year use. As opposed to Lishkat's Parhedrin, or the other Rooms in the base of Middash.
Eisri Abai says, Abai, I'll ask you a kasha. Sukkah zachag b'chag. What about the sukkah of sukkahs, b'chag on sukkahs itself? Is a, is a mezuzah required? Rabbi Yudah Machayv. He's Machayv and mezuzah. He says, even a sukkah on sukkahs, even though it's for seven day use, a mezuzah is affixed on that door. V'chacham and poetry, chacham say, no, there's no mezuzah. we we not in a brisa to explain this. Rabbi Yudah Machayv. He says, even a temporary sukkah, is chayv in the following three things. Be'erov, u'be'mezuzah, u'be'masir. Let's take a look at Rashi. Nine lines from the bottom. It says, Rashi, Rabbi Machayv. When it comes to three things. Masr, Eirov, Mezuzah. Lenin Masr, what does that mean? The Kaimelon we learned. Eina tevel meschayv ve'masr ve'le'echel meno achilas ha'rayv. Ad she'yira p'nei'abayis. When produce is introduced to the home, that changes its status. Up until then, you can have a temporary snack, Achilles Arai, without addressing the true and master obligations. But once it enters their home, now it's been designated for domestic use. Now, it assumes a new status. It's meant for personal consumption, and it's completely high of master. You can't even have a temporary snack from it until you separate Trumas and master. Rabida maintains even a sukkah on sukkahs is considered. It's considered like a bias. Anything brought into that sukkah is now chayva maser. Shanamar bi'arti akodesh mina bias. We see that the bias establishes the chiv. Be'eruv. A sukkah is chayva and eruv. In psuchah lechotzer sheyesh bach sha'ar diris. If it's open to a courtyard which is shared by other other residencies. Oyseres al kulam em loy irva iman. This sukkah will make it usher on all them to carry in that joint area unless he contributes to the Erev, the Erev Chatseris. It's considered a place of residence. And finally, Ube Mezuzah. A sukkah is chayv mezuzah. Va'af, agav, de'ena asuya, humaysachamu, humaysachshamim. Sukkah is certainly not intended for summer and winter use. It's not even waterproof. It's intended for seven-day use. So, why is it chayv mezuzah? And if sukkah is chayv mezuzah, why not lishkas parhedrin, which was only for te- which was also for temporary use? Perhaps I'll suggest it's only chayv mezuzah. This um, temporary residence is not chayv mezuzah. Sukkah is on sukkah. It's chayv mezuzah. for some reason. Certainly, erev and mezuzah can work. We can say that's only chayv mezuzah. They have to contribute to the Rav in the Rabbanon. They have to put on a mezuzah in the Rabbanon. Perhaps because it appears like a uh, proper dwelling. Back when you say that it's chayv and masam in the Rabbanon. Produce brought into the sukkah's chayv in the Rabbanon. Chayv to take off two masam in the Rabbanon. That won't work. Because it can, it can lead to confusion. Dilma osil afrushay menachil aptur menachil achiv. Perhaps this fellow will think that the wheat brought into the sukkah is chayev minatoira. He won't realize it's only dirabon. Let's say this is a proper dwelling. It's chayev minatoira, the master. Now, what if he has another pile of tvur which is really tevel minatoira? It's brought into a proper home. He'll say, well, okay, I have to do truma master from both these piles. I'll take from this pile, the one brought into the sukkah, and be mighty the other one. But really, minatoira, this one's potter, that one's chayev. In which case, the truma master doesn't really work for the other one, which is Chayv and Atura. So this 
proposition can create confusion. He might be mafresh menachiv laptur, laptur lachiv. He'll think they're both chayiv and he'll go confuse matters. So you cannot say that this thing is chayiv v'masim adrabbanon, which will lead to pitfall. Now Tosis asks an obvious question. We find many times throughout Shas there is a chayiv of tur masim adrabbanon. Why is it just just over here we're so concerned? We don't want to allow that. So Tosis here it's different because he'll think. That this sukkah is a proper place of dwelling. It's a, it's a proper bias. Imakamdir, which is a mechayiv and Torah. Why should he think otherwise? Because he sees the chacham telling him it's chayiv and maser on account of bringing it into the sukkah. He'll say, well, because it's, it's a proper dira. And over here, there's more room for confusion. Therefore, the Gemara says it can't work. You can't say Rebuda is mechayiv, a sukkah, be mezuzah, be erev, and be maser. And it's only referring to Midrabbanon because Maser cannot be established in Midrabbanon in this case. It can only lead to confusion. Apparently, he's speaking Minat Torah. And a sukkah is Chayiv and all three things Minat. Well, Erev uh, Chaseh is only Midrabbanon, but Mezuzah and Maser is Minat Torah. If it's Minat Torah, so why is there a Machlaikis regarding Lishkas Parhedrin? Both sukkah and lishkas parhedrin were intended for temporary use. If sukkah is chayv and mezuzah and atayr, why is your beauty disagreeing to Chachamim? Who said that lishkas parhedrin had a mezuzah? And he responded and said, no, no, no. There's no mezuzah requirement. Why not? Why would it be different than sukkah, which has a chayv mezuzah and atayr, on account of it being a, at least a temporary dwelling? Elam Rabbi says, Rabbi, apparently, even a... Uh, a part-time resident is considered. Beshiva throughout those seven days, which the Kain Gadol is living in the Lishkas Parhedrin, Dukuli Almodoy Pligid Machayv. All agree. All agree. There's a Chiv Mezuzah. When then is there Machlekes between Rabbi and Rabban? Ki Pligid B'Shayim Mas Hashem. It's only Machlekes regarding the rest of the year. Rabban and Savri Gazrinon, Shayim Mas Hashana, Atu Shiva. Chacham say, this is We want to apply a mezuzah throughout the rest of the year. Even though there's nobody living there throughout the year. Atu shiva on account of the seven days. Because if there won't be a mezuzah throughout the year, then perhaps they'll neglect to put a mezuzah on through those seven days as well. Therefore they say, be consistent. Have a mezuzah on the lishkas parhedrin throughout the year. Rabbi Dusavadlai Gazrinan, he says, there's also zero. Yeah, throughout the seven days, there's a chiv mezuzah minatur. It's a place of dira, place of residence for the kain gadol. But throughout the rest of the year, skip the mezuzah. As we find that there was never a mezuzah throughout the Beis Hamidrash, throughout the other lishakas, throughout the other rooms. There's no gzera, one on account of the other. Just as we don't find uh, mezuzahs throughout the other rooms, lishkas parhedrin as well did not need a mezuzah. It's only throughout those seven-day Yimei Prisha, which were considered uh, as Mandira for the Kohen Gadol, in which case this place is a place of residency for the Kohen Gadol, and mezuzah is required. That's Abayi's opinion. So when it comes to the seven-day period, all agree. Even a partial, even a part-time Dira is considered. So at least through those seven days, a, a mezuzah is required. According to all Shittas, Rabbidun Rabbah. Amalei Rav, Rav responds to Abai, how can you say that? How can you suggest 
but there's no machloikis regarding that seven-day period. All agree the chiv mezuzman atayra. What about sukkas? Vosukkas achag bechag ketoni. The brayse here tells us that the sukkah of Yom Tov on Yom Tov, according to Rabbi Yudah, is chayv mezuzah. According to Rabban, is potter from mezuzah. Apparently, even throughout the actual time of residency, when the person is actually dwelling in that structure, there's a machlekes. Rabbi says, "Is a chiv mezuzah." exempt him from mezuzah. How could you say, how could Abayah say that when this fellow was living in there, all agreed there's a chiv mezuzah. By sukkah we find it to be not so. Even on sukkahs, Rabbi Yudah is mechayiv mezuzah, not. Apparently we have to approach the whole discussion differently. Elam Arava, I have a different pshat. B'shayim Eishashana, Kul Amalei Pligi When it comes to the rest of the year, all agree the Lishkas Parhedrin does not have a mezuzah. The same thing regarding a sukkah on sukkahs. It's only perhaps on sukkahs that needs a mezuzah, but not throughout the rest of the year. So again, regarding Lishkas Parhedrin, throughout the year, all agree there's no chiv mezuzah, even with Rabbanu. Ki pligi b'shiva. The question is, during the dwelling period, Seven days, Yimei Prisha before Yom Kippur, where the Kengadah is actually present in that room and using it. Likewise, a sukkah on sukkahs. On the Yom Tif, when this fellow is actually living in that sukkah, is a chayv or not? That's the machlekes. Ki pligi b'shiva. And we actually have two separate machlekes. By Lishkas Parhedrin, we have the Rabban who say, there is Achiv mezuzah, min Whereas the um, Rabbi Yudah holds, it's not achiv min as we're going to see soon. And by sukkah we have another separate machlekes, unrelated. Over there the Rabbanon say there's no achiv mezuzah whatsoever. Whereas Rabbi Yudah maintains there is achiv mezuzah. Sukkah sachad bechag chayevus. Rabbi Yudah is mechayev mezuzah. As more explained, sukkah time alachud. Says Rava, throughout the seven-day period before Yom Kippur and the seven-day period of Sukkot, that's going to be the Machlekes. By Sukkot we have a separate reason and by Lishkas Parhedrin we have a separate reason. Sukkot HaMalachot, the reason by Sukkot is as follows. Rabbi the holds, there's a Chiyiv Mezuzah. You know why? Because there's Machlekes in the Gemara Sukkot. How to treat a Sukkot. How large a sukkah can one build? Rabida says a sukkah is considered a diras kva, a permanent dwelling. It's so hush of it. It's a real place of dwelling. It's not just meant to be a temporary dwelling in and out. We want the sukkah to have a, uh, an appearance of a permanence to it. It's considered a real true makim dira, a diras kva. In fact, Rabida says you can build it as high as you want. You can make it into a real permanent structure even more than 20 Amahai. Because the very essence of a sukkah is diras kva, it's a permanent dwelling. Established by Hashem, by the Torah, for use of sukkahs. Whereas Rabbana maintain, you can't build it too high, because a sukkah is only a temporary structure. Hashem wants it to be a temporary structure. Leave your home, leave your permanence, and go out into a temporary 
dira into a sukkah which is just meant to be like this hut. You can't build it too high. If you build it too high up, it appears like a permanent structure. That's not kosher for sukkah. So this is the discussion in Masechah Sukkah. What is a sukkah? Diras Arai, temporary dwelling, or Diras Kva, a permanent dwelling? Rabbi Yudah maintains Diras Kva. Ah, that explains why you need to have a mezuzah. It's a, it's a dwelling of permanent. It's a perfect bias. It's a perfect dira. A mezuzah is required. The Rabbana maintain no. Sukkah is Diras Arai. It's a temporary makam dira. And does not earn a mezuzah. That's one discussion. The reason by sukkah is independent of the reason by Bishkas Parhedrin. The reason is as follows. Rabbi Dilatame, Rabbi following his shita, the Amar Sukkah Diras Kvabina, needs to be a permanent structure, a permanent dwelling. That's why it's Chayva Mezuzah. Rabban Tamay, the Rabban following their shita, the Amri, Sukkah Diras Araibina, just the opposite. Sukkah is just a temporary dwelling. That's why it's not Chayva Mezuzah. Says Rashi, off to the left. Ki pligi b'shiva. The machlekes between Rabbi and Rabbanu refers to the seven days of use. Be belishka, whether regarding lishkas parhedrin, be mesuka, va'poiter kan, machayev kan, vechlifa devreim. Actually, it's interesting that the one that exempts by lishkas uh, parhedrin, which is Rabbi Yudah, will be machayev mezuzah, and Rabbanu vice versa. Because really, it's unrelated, two separate contexts. V'suka tam l'chud continues Rashi. Rebidul tamei the Amar b'sachas suka. Diras kvai. Suka is meant to be a permanent dwelling, and that's why he's machsher even a very tall structure. V'yichsher suka gavoy mesramab even taller than twenty amma. She'ena ruiyu le'asis el mechitas kva. A tall structure which cannot be built without using uh, good material, permanent uh, material of permanence. So since Rabbi Yudah considers it a diras kva, hilkach bias chashiva namalina mezuzah. Therefore, regarding mezuzah as well, he considers it a bias. But the Rabban will say, don't make it too high. Because in order to make something really tall, you have to use mechitzah's kvu, you have to use solid, permanent walls. So the, 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 this sukkah, which is higher than 20 amma, the dimensions appear like a diras kva, give it the appearance of a permanent dwelling, therefore it's possible for sukkah. Likewise, they hold, there's no mezuzah on a sukkah, which is merely a dirasa, right? So that explains the machlegis by mezuzah. What about the machlegis by lishkas parhedrin? Where the Rabbanu began the sugi by saying, lishkas parhedrin needs a mezuzah minatayr. Why? With the makam dir of the kohen god. Ravid the response by saying, no, it's not even a Maybe with the Rabbanan, it's a gzera, but not minatayr. What's the pshan that machlegis? Says the more, but lishka tamalachud. The reason by lishka is a different reason. Rabbanu Savar Dira Baal Karcha Shmadira. They hold that a Dira against the person's will is considered. Lishka's Paredim was a place where the Kohen Kadu would come, separate from his family, and he was there to attain Madrega of Kedusha. He was there as, 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 as a means to achieve a goal. It wasn't for its own sake. So this Dira, this place of dwelling, wasn't meant to serve a, a, a Dira for its own sake. It wasn't an end on its own, it was just a means to achieve something, to prepare him for the avoid of It's called Dira Baal Karcha, it's against his will. He's there because he has to be there, I mean, he's happy to be there. But it's only there as a means to achieve something greater. Still, the Rabban hold, Dira Baal Karcha Shema Dira. At the end of the day, 
it's a properly built structure. It's a, it's a proper makam dira. And therefore, a mezuzah is required. It's not a dira sarai, like a, like a sukkah. It's a dira kva. It's a permanent structure. Although, it's not intended for its own sake. It's intended as a means to achieve something greater. That's still considered a dira. And that's chayv of mezuzah. Throughout that seven-day period, in which case it was serving the Kohen Gadol for his, uh, as his place of, of dira. Rabbi Yudu Savar, he says no. Dira ba'akarcha dira. When a person is sitting in a place, a place which is intended for a dira ba'akarcha, to keep the Kohen Gadol away from his family, to prepare him for the Yom Kippur service, that's considered a ba'akarcha against us. Well, it's not a, a place which you come to enjoy the place for its own sake. Therefore, menatura, that's not called a proper bias, and no mezuzah is required. Ubedra ba'an, who did However, when the Rabbana says Rabbi Yudah, I'll agree, there's a mezuzah there. Why? People shouldn't say, look, Kengadol is locked in prison. It doesn't send a good message to have him locked in prison against his will. So he placed a mezuzah on that door to give it the, the, the look, the impression of a ordinary Malkam Dira. Let's take a look at Teisus here on the bottom line. Only on the bottom line, he says, V'yesh bedavar g'nai. It gives the wrong impression. It looks like he's locked in a in a prison. It's a gnai. It's a biza mitzvah. Venira kila kadesh baruchu matriach al yisrael v'chayish b'sasurim. It's referring to sukkah there, but the same thing applies to the lishkas varhedim for the kohen gadol. It looks like he's locked in prison. It looks like Hashem is burdening the kohen gadol, locking him up in a place that doesn't have a mezuzah. It's not a proper makom Therefore, we place a mezuzah on the door. To avoid that negative impression, that's a reader's opinion. And I told you, there's no mezuzah. It's a dira bal karcha. It's only with the rabbanu we apply mezuzah. Says the man tan lo tan rabbanu. Whose opinion is reflected in the following price? Kolosh arum show yisham all the gateways in base midlash lo yehoyle mezuzah. They didn't have mezuzah because they were not leading into a place of dira. Chutz mishar niknor, except for shar niknor on the east of the Azora, shilaf nimimenu lishkas parhedrin. Because inside of that shar niknor was lishkas parhedrin, where the king God resided throughout his seven yimei prisha, and that place required a mezuzah, as we just explained, and therefore the shar leading into that place, likewise, was considered a shar leading into makam dira, and needs a mezuzah. Who is the Shita? Lema Rabbanni, Le Rabbi Perhaps it's Rabbanon, not Rabbi because Rabbanon say that even the Lishkas Parhedrin was Chayv and Mezuzah and despite the fact that it was Dira Balkara. We look at the we look at the fact that a person is living in there for seven days. The actual dwelling, the the, the, the use, gives it Chashivas and it's Chayv and Mezuzah. And therefore the Shar leading into that area is also Chayv and Mezuzah. Since the Lishkas Parhedrin was Chayv Mezuzah Ben Atayra, the Shara as well. But according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Rabbi Yehuda, if this price is Rabbi Yehuda, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Because remember, Rabbi Yehuda holds that since the Lishkas Parhedrin, by its very essence, was not meant for proper Dira. It was only Lishka Baal Karcha, only Dira Baal Karcha. It's only Chayv Mezuzah Ben Dirabbanan because uh, we want to avoid that impression of a prison. So since that room was only Chayv and Durabon, he goofed Xer. If the room itself was only Chayv and Durabon, Va'anan Neku, Venigzer, Xer, Xer, apply a double Xer to that, 
will say not only is the room itself Chayv Mezuzah, but also the Shar, the gateway leading into that room, that's already a bit of a stretch. He says, well, yeah. This Brisa, which requires a Mezuzah on the Shar Niknar, in front of the Lishkas Parhedron, can be followed even on Yudah Shit. I feel the same Can be followed even on Yudah. Kul Chad it's all one and the same takana. Chachamim applied a mezuzah to the Lishkas Parhedrin to give it the right appearance of a proper Makim Dira. And at the same time, they put a mezuzah on the Shar leading into that area. For the same reason. To give the entire area an appearance of a proper Makim Dira. So, conclusion, we have two separate discussions. One regarding Sukkah. The question is whether it's a Dira's Aray or Dira's Kva. It's a temporary dwelling, the dearest Arai, and there's no mezuzah. Sukkah. Hashem gives it a chashivas. Hashem ups its, its, its status. It's considered dearest kva, even though it's only for seven days. It's considered a dwelling of permanence. And it's chayv and mezuzah. According to the Rabban, it's chayv and mezuzah. The fact is, it's intended for a dwelling. So throughout the seven Yimei Prisha, a mezuzah was required. The place was built in preparation for Yom Kippur. To prepare the, Yom, the Kain Gadol for his Kedusha, it wasn't meant really for its own sake as an end, just as a means to achieve the end goal of Kedusha of Yom Kippur. And it's not Chayiv Mezuzah ben Atur. Medirabon, a Mezuzah was affixed, so that people wouldn't say, look, the Kain Gadol is locked in prison. We want to give it the appearance of a proper Makam Dira. And likewise, the Shar, Leading into that area, the Yisamidlosh required a mezuzah as well. Okay, time for brief Chazara. The first Yisamidlosh was built by Shlomo Melech, a descendant of Shem, and therefore was zoichet to a higher level of Ashras Ashchina. Whereas the second Yisamidlosh, which was initiated by the children of Yefes, although they were given a schus to get involved in building Yisamidlosh, Yaft al Kimli Yefes, but Yaft denotes beauty, the chitzonius beauty. It was lacking in its essence, in its premise, in its internal beauty. It didn't have the same level of Ashwas Ashkin. We went through many names of towns, of people, of giants, and finally we discussed the two dominant forces in Golas before Mashiach, Malchus Raimi, Rome, Edom, descendants of Esav, and the competing force, which we call Paras, Persia, which represents the competing power, the competing Kayach, perhaps it's the, the Muslims, the Bnei Yishmael, which are represented by Paras, Persia, which is Iran of today. Which one will fall in the hands of who? According to Rebbe, Rome will fall in the hands of Paras, according to Rab, the other way around, Paras in the hands of Rome. And we concluded with a mezuzah discussion, Balishka's Parhedrin, and Ansukas, Machlekes, and Rabbonon, and we concluded the two things are unrelated, Machlekes by Bishkas Parhedron is a question of Lishka Baal Karcha, whether it's Shema Dira or not. My Sukkah is a question of whether Sukkah is Diras Arai or Diras Kavav. Have much aslachan, all the best.